Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a leisure studies uh, major uh, in college, I got to tell you that no story in Scripture warms my heart better than knowing that Jesus went to a party and performed his first miracle. It just, it just tickles me to no end. Uh, there is great uh, 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 pomp and circumstance at a wedding feast. Now, you may not be aware of this, okay? But in the Middle East, in first century Cana, weddings could last up to a week long. Dads with daughters, right? You're just going, uh-uh, there ain't no way. Ain't gonna happen. Not a week. I mean, you're going maybe two hours tops, and that's, you know, if we get the rental hall at a discounted rate because we know somebody that knows somebody. I mean, at that point, you're just going a week long, and here, the, the wedding host, okay, the groom, the groom is the one that is responsible for making sure there's enough wine, there's enough food. Get this, if the guests somehow spill something on their clothes and they need a new robe or something else to wear, the bridegroom is responsible for clothing the guests. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the whole deal. So when you go to a party in the Middle East, right, for a wedding, this is a big deal. I had a member come up to me after first service who uh, recently was, uh, spent the last nine months deployed over in Afghanistan. He said, I want you to understand something. When you see it, you get this story, how big weddings are in the Middle East. He said, next to the mosques, the single largest buildings in all the towns they went to were wedding banquet halls. Still to this day, a part of that culture is when you get married, you're going to party and you're going to party big and you're going to party long and you're going to invite everybody. So Jesus, right, now on the scene, and he's about to do the miraculous. He's grown up. He's already been to the temple at age 12. He amazed people at his ability to teach and preach Scripture. He amazed them with his wisdom. I have no doubt, right, that Mary along the way is noticing that Jesus is completely a little different from the other children, right? Can you, can you imagine? Which is why I think at the beginning of this story, we get that Mary involves herself very quickly. Right? We're, we're told, for those of you following along, you can look in your bulletin uh, if you want. But John chapter 2, verse 3, his mother was there, Jesus and the disciples were there, they were invited, and the wine was gone, and Jesus' mother came to him and said, they don't have any more wine. Now, I don't know how it is in your household, right? But if all of a sudden I'm throwing a party and somebody comes and goes, you're out of wine, I'd go, oh, stop, we got to run down to the store. I mean, this is big, Right? Okay? This is important. But Mary is the one that kind of brings this to his attention. Why do you involve me in this? My time has not yet come. I, I, I'm not here to do parlor tricks, is what I picture Jesus saying. And I love this mother's response. I think it's universal to being a mom anywhere. It doesn't even... Silly you, I'm not even going to answer your question. Goes right to the servants. Just do whatever he tells you to do. Right? I mean, do you get it, moms? You, you know that that's what's out there is that she's going, look, I went to him. I've, believe me, this is where I start to have fun in my brain when I start to think of Jesus growing up. 
And Mary looking out the kitchen window or something, right? And see him in the, uh, in the playground. And I picture him, he's got some sticks over here and some sticks over here. And all of a sudden, he puts his hands back and just kind of winks or something. And all of a sudden, the sticks get up and fight each other a little bit. And then they go back down, you know. And, and I think she saw that. Or when he came into the house, she said, hey, you need to clean up your room. I just looked in there and he was like, you know, wiggles his nose or something. And, and he's like, it's done, you know. And then she walks back in there. And she's like, okay, what the heck is going on here? It's not degrading to think of Jesus in that way. What, what I'm, my point is this. She had seen something. She knew. Moms, you know, right? When your kids are up to something, you also know when they're really joyful about something, you, you know when they're kind of holding something inside. And, and moms, you, you're great about being able to try to bring that out. And here, they're at a wedding feast. It's supposed to be joyful. It's the third day. Now, whether this was a three-day feast or whether it was a third day of a five-day feast, we don't know. But they're at the third day. It kind of seems like things are, are running its course. Things are kind of to its end. And here, the way the story goes is that Jesus tells the servants, fine, take the six stone jars, 30 gallons each. All right? So, so about three and a half, maybe foot tall, maybe, maybe 20, 24 inches around. All right? 30, 20 to 30 gallons. He says, fill them up. Now, these were ceremonial jars on the ground at the entrance of the house. And during the festival, during the feasting, during all of the celebrating, occasionally guests would leave the house. When they left the house, upon returning to the house, they would need to ceremonially wash again because they might have come in contact with an unbeliever. And if you were in contact with an unbeliever, you didn't bring that uncleanliness back into the house. If you happen to have touched some money, not that money was bad or any, but you wanted to make sure that you were ceremonially clean again to be able to come in and celebrate with everyone else who was ceremonially clean. Uh, even today, scholars somewhat understand or believe that there's a, there's a connection today in, in the traditions of worship. That when you were told to put on your Sunday best, your Sunday finest, to come to church, the idea we think kind of came from this old Jewish tradition of being ceremonially clean when you went to church, rather than wear your work clothes or your grubby clothes or that you were working six days a week and just come that way into the house of the Lord. No, change clothes, be ceremonially clean. Well, nevertheless, the people would come in. There are six stone jars. Some of it has been used, right? So you get what I'm talking about, right? There's people's dirty hands. <laughs> Nobody's grossed out by germs this morning? No, nobody's going, this, this is starting to get nasty, okay? I mean, they've been dipping in to the same stone jars and washing. And some of it, like, gone back into the jars. And Jesus doesn't say dump out what's in there and get fresh. He just says fill them up. So our best guess is that those servants went and filled up what was in there and mixed some good water with some other water. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it was other. <laughs> and they know what happens. 
Jesus doesn't wiggle his nose, say a prayer, do an incantation, make the sign of the cross. He doesn't do any of that. He just simply says, fill it up and take it to the steward. Now, the steward of the wedding is the person that the bridegroom has enlisted to run the show. And they're kind of like our modern-day DJs in a well that, you know, today that, that kind of go, okay, now it's time for the father-daughter dance, and okay, now it's time for everyone to, you know, get down and boogie. And everyone's like, we have not had enough wine yet to do that. So you get the point is that the steward is in responsible for how the wedding is going. And if they run out of wine, yes, it's on the bridegroom's head. I mean, he's the one responsible. But the steward, the banquet steward has his reputation. And he needs to make sure. So that's why Jesus says, take the wine to the steward. And the wine goes in a cup to the steward, and the steward drinks it, and he goes immediately to the bridegroom. Hey, I just want you to know, you have done well. You even outplanned me. You have saved the best wine until now. You have saved the best for now. And I want you to pass by that sentence. I love it when Jesus performs miracles. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly to whom he's doing. Have you ever been the recipient of a miracle and it wasn't even necessarily for you? This is what I mean, right? The steward, the bridegroom receives a miracle. He hasn't tasted the wine yet, and yet he gets complimented for providing such excellence. Jesus performs a miracle. The steward gets to taste great wine. He doesn't even know a miracle has happened yet. And here we have two individuals who receive a blessing of the miracle. They don't even know it's been done yet. And then let's take the servants. They're the ones sitting over on the side going, Did you put water in there? I put water in mine. <laughs> Three did you put water in your three jugs? I mean, did we not see something down in the bottom? That's why, and they're talking about it being the best wine. And I have no doubt that when they were told to finally put those jars back over where they needed to be to serve, I can picture them. They're right. This is the good stuff. They alone know the miracle has happened. That's why I picked this story to share with you guys this morning. Because there are miracles happening that you're not even aware of. And yet you receive the blessing. And no, you probably don't know to call it a miracle because you don't know what went on behind it. You don't know what was the back story. You don't know this person's life as they speak into your life. You don't know where they've come from. And yet you just go, man, they were such a blessing to me. <laughs> That's just so neat. Thanks, God. And yet you have no idea the back story, the miracle that God has performed in their life to be able to speak into yours. When Jesus performs miracles, he takes things that are seemingly natural, water. Here, he takes used water, things that we would go, this is not clean water. We don't want to be drinking from these six stone jars. And Jesus goes, watch. 
Watch what I do with dirty water. Watch what I do with things that you think are only about ceremony and watch the outpouring of blessing that I bring. I'll take that which the world says is useless and I'll remake it. I'll take even a, a very healthy, good thing, water in its natural state, necessary for, for health and vitality, and I'll make water even better. Watch what I do. What is that for you today? What is, what is even a good thing in your life that you'd like to pray and ask that Jesus change it and make it great? I mean great. I mean off the chart, people are going, man, I knew this was good about you, but man, you've gone to new heights. How is this possible? Let me tell you what Jesus has been doing. Let me tell you. What does it look like? Hey, God, I, I really appreciate that you've laid on my heart to read through your word each and every day, but I, I want you to push me, God. I want you, to, when, I, when I read God's, when I read your word, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is going to impact somebody that day, and, and I want you to lay it on my heart that I'm going to share it with three other people that day, every day. And I know, so, whew, that makes me sweaty. I, I don't want to think about that. I, uh, that just makes me nervous. But, but what? What needs to be great? Is it your compassion? Is it kindness? How about second chances? How about forgiveness? I mean, if you don't see in this story a complete understanding that what Jesus has in store for us is this incredible outpouring, it's all related to this wedding. You see, the wedding is important. The wedding feast, even more important. In Revelation chapter 21, I want you to hear, I want you to hear how the end times are discussed. Chapter 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's us. We're the bride of Christ. And, and the ways that John describes this end time is that we are going to be beautifully adorned. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making everything new. It's what he did with the water. He made it new. 
He takes that which is dirty and used and he makes it new. And that's what he does with me. He takes this, this person full, caught up in sin, and he says, David, I, I love you. And I forgive you and I will make you new each and every day. And he does the same for you. He takes all your past, he takes all your mistakes, he takes all your sin, and he says, hold on, wait, watch what I do with this. I'm going to make something new. Brand spanking new. And the world doesn't get to rain on that parade. And the world doesn't get to, to, to poo-poo it in any way. The world doesn't get to say, well, you're not holy enough for me. The world doesn't get to say that. Because there's only one person that we will all stand in front of. And do you know what he's going to say when I stand there? David, you're not holy enough to be here. And I'm going to say, I know. But thank you for loving me anyway. And he's going to say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Welcome home. So in the midst of all of life that it throws at you, can I encourage you this morning to remember that Jesus takes very simple, dirty things and turns them into wine? And that is a reason to celebrate for eternity. Celebrate every day in the grace that God has given to you. That's how we make it through this life. Amen. And now may this word of the Lord truly strengthen, strengthen your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us home. Amen. Let's rise for prayer.